take your copy of God's Word and open with us to 1 Peter chapter number 2. We're going to be in one verse, verse 24 today in 1 Peter 2, verse number 24. This past week there were quite a bit of Southern Baptists who rallied in downtown Nashville for the 2021 Southern Baptist Convention. And just like any family, your family, my family, our Southern Baptist family has, a, has some crazy uncles who say some crazy things. And there were some tense and heated moments at the convention. In fact, I want to show you one such heated moment Thank you. right here. Watch. 7A, would you state your point of order? Mr. Chair, my name is David Bumgardner. I'm a messenger from the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas. I've been to three different microphones trying to get you guys to please turn on the air. For the love of everything that is good and holy, please turn on the air conditioning. The point, the point is well taken. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Be Chair. Be it therefore resolved, whoever that applies to, okay? All right. Yeah, there were some different moments of tension, and sure there were, and disagreements here and there. But I tell you what, Southern Baptists, we, we left Nashville together affirming the following, that we are together theologically conservative. We stand on God's Word alone. We stand on the authority of the Word of God and how we behave and what we believe. And we reject any theory, critical race theory, CRT, or any other theory that is not lock and step with the Word of God. We left together affirming uh, that we are passionate about sending missionaries and planting churches. That's who we're about. We left together on agreeing that we can disagree and still cooperate. <laughs> we can disagree and still love one another. We can disagree and still fulfill the Great Commission. We left together learning how to care better for the abused and the marginalized. We left together uh, for the abolition of abortion totally and completely. We are together for having more gospel conversations. We are together on following in Jesus' steps. So if you were to sum it up, I'd say as Southern Baptists, we're Great Commandment Baptists, we're Great Commission Baptists, and we're Gospel Conversational Baptists. This is who we are. This is what we will continue to be. You know, when we come to 1 Peter, Peter is writing a unifying message to the church that is scattered. And his message in chapter 2, at least in the second chapter, is really summed up in a very small phrase that you can easily read over if you're not careful. And that phrase is in verse 21. It's at the end of the verse, and it reads this way, follow in his steps. Of course, it's talking about Jesus, but follow in his steps. So this Sunday, I want to speak to you on that subject Follow in his steps. I want to read this one verse and then we'll unpack it together. So if you're there, say I'm there. 1 Peter 2, 24. Let's look at it together. Here we go. He himself, that's referring to Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray for the receiving of it and the response to it that you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If I were to sum up this message in a sentence, it would be this. Following Christ is meant for Christ followers. Following Christ is meant for Christ followers. It's not meant for the world. It's not meant for the religious. It's not meant for the, uh, the irreligious. It is meant for Christ followers. So if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to follow in his steps, there's some steps we must take. And here's the first step we must take if we're going to follow in his steps. And that is following Christ means abiding by the great commandment. Abiding by the great commandment to love God and to love people. Uh, abiding in that great commandment. You know, at the convention on Monday this past week, I was to meet a North American Mission Board representative uh, at 11 a.m. who was going to take me backstage and get me ready to be interviewed. I was asked a question by the president of the North American Mission Board, Kevin Azale, on the platform at the NAM lunch in front of 10,000 people. So I had to go get there a little early for that. And when I was backstage, I met Coach Bobby Bowden was there. I met Coach Mark Rick. I hung out with David Jeremiah. You know, that's not a typical Monday in my life. I don't get to hang out with David Jeremiah every Monday, right? And after the luncheon, I was going to be nominated to be treasurer of the pastor's conference for the 2022 of Southern Baptist Convention. So again, Monday, this Monday was not a typical Monday in the life of Sam Greer. I had all these things going on. So I got up that morning and a little nervous, a little excited, anticipating the day and what all was going to happen and thinking about it and thinking about being on stage in front of all those people. And to be honest with you, I got a, a bit of the big head that morning. And Tanya always has a way. <laughs> always, she has this gift of bringing me back down to earth. It's, it's, a, it's a special spiritual gift that she has. And as I was walking out the door, I was getting all my stuff together, getting my VIP credentials together and, you know, getting all that important stuff together because I was important, right? And as I was walking out, Tanya said this to me. said, Sam, could you take this bottle of these two bottles of nail polish to Brad for DD? <laughs> so here I am sitting at the breakfast table. A grown man taking two bottles of nail polish to another grown man. There's something wrong with that, isn't it? You know, the, the Lord, he, he has a way of reminding us it's not about us, doesn't he? He has a way of reminding us that there is a commandment that we are to abide by. And that commandment is not about you and not about me. It's first about God and then second, it's about other people. In no way, shape, form, or fashion does it have anything to do with self. Nothing about that. And so here, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to understand his example. And he sets it for us right in verse 24 in this text. Notice what it says. He himself. Man, the, the, the emphasis there, the, the intentionality there just jumps off the page. He himself. This, this verse, if, if you'll focus on it, it is pregnant with pronouns. And these first two pronouns are so vitally important for us to understand that this verse, of course, is talking about Jesus' suffering. And he begins by telling us that his suffering was intentional. 
He himself, nobody coerced Jesus into going to the cross. No, nobody deceived him or tricked him or manipulated him or forced him to go to the cross. Remember what Jesus continually told his disciples, I am headed to Jerusalem. I must go up to Jerusalem. He told them that over and over and over again. The intentionality of the Lord Jesus was so focused and so highlighted through the Gospels that he was so laser focused on the cross. I have to get to Jerusalem. I have to get to the cross. This wasn't something he added to his calendar later at a later date. It wasn't something that surprised him. It wasn't something that he just forgot about. He is intentional about heading to the cross. He himself and notice, not only is his suffering intentional, it was substitutionary. He says, he himself, look what it says, he bore our sins. <laughs> he didn't bear his own sin, he had no sin to bear. He bore your sin and my sin and our sins. He bore them on the cross. The word bore carries this meaning of the massive weight of sin. That Jesus is under. He's under this tremendous, massive weight of sin that he is carrying for you and for me. The Bible says he bore our sins. In fact, this sin is so heavy that Paul writes in Romans that the whole creation groans and suffers under this massive weight of sin. And so notice he says our sins. Do you know how many times Paul, the apostle, writes our sin or our Lord, rather, compared to my Lord. Paul the Apostle wrote my Lord one time. One time. In Philippians, he wrote it. He wrote it one time. Paul wrote our Lord 53 times. 53 times. You know what that tells us? That tells us that church, you are not a free agent. You belong to a church. You belong to a body. You are a member of a body. And you're not a free agent. And you must invest in your church. And you must make sacrifices for your church. And you must love the Lord your God and love one another. We are not free agents. We're not like Aaron Rodgers and we can just hold out. Or any other professional athlete that just thinks they can hold out. No, we need to show up. Yeah, we need to show up. It's time to come back to church. You're not a free agent. He is our Lord, and He bore our sins. He didn't bear, it doesn't say He bore Sam's sins only, my sin. Jesus bore my sin. He bore our sins collectively. His suffering was substitutionary. Third, His suffering is personal. Look where He bore His sin. It says very clearly, in His body. God the Son is the one who died on the cross. God the Father did not die on the cross. God the Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. God the Son died on the cross. In His body, He died on the cross. In His body. Jesus did not go to, the, to, 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 a, to a thicket and get a ram out of the thicket to sacrifice in His place. Jesus didn't secure a scapegoat to be sacrificed in His place. He suffered Himself in His body. His suffering was personal. He didn't get someone else to suffer for you and for me. He himself suffered for you and for me as personal. 
Jesus' suffering was severe. Notice what it tells us. He suffered in his body on the tree. And Paul was so amazed and just taken aback by Jesus' suffering on the tree that he even wrote in Philippians that, yes, he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isaiah says his appearance was unrecognizable. His blood uncontainable. His cross is undeniable. His death unavoidable. His enemy unprofitable. His father unbeatable. His grace unfathomable. His hour unstoppable. His identity unmistakable. His judgment unthinkable. His love immeasurable. His message unfashionable. His nature unapproachable. His paradise unimaginable. His quest incomprehensible. His resurrection undisputable. His saints unmovable. His torture unbelievable. And his word unchangeable. Oh, his suffering was severe, and it was personal, and it was intentional, and it was substitutionary. But praise God, it was also salvific. Amen? (laughs) It was salvific. He saved us that we might die to sin. You know what that means to die to sin and to live to righteousness? You know what that means? To die to sin, it carries the idea of departing from sin. To be missing from sin. uh, To be away from sin. See, when Adam died, or when Adam sinned, rather, it separated us from God. Separated Adam and Eve from God. Separated all Adam's descendants from God. Because we all have that same sin nature. And sin separates us from God. But God sent Jesus, and when Jesus died for us on the cross, and we trust in Him by grace alone, through faith alone, in Him alone, we're no longer separated from God, but now we're separated from the penalty of sin. (laughs) You see that? Adam's sin separated us from God. Jesus' sacrifice then separates us from the penalty of sin. What a glorious thought. That, That our sin, not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross. We bear it no more. Because Christ bore it for you and for me. His, his suffering is salvific. His suffering is, is curative. Notice what it says, by his wounds you have been healed. And the healing here is speaking of an eternal healing. Not a, not a, not a physical healing. It's speaking of an eternal healing. Forgiven forever. Once you're forgiven, you can't be unforgiven. Once you are saved, you can't be unsaved. But here's the question as we look at all this. What does this have to do with the great commandment? What does all this have to do with the great commandment? Why would Jesus do this? Why would he do this? Why would he come to the earth to do this? I think we, when we understand the great commandment, we'll understand this a little better. Jesus was asked, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Here's Here's, here's what Jesus, here's how he responded. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So what does it look like to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself? What does that look like? So many of us hear the word love and we think feeling, right? I love you. It's a feeling. That's what we think. But the Bible says love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. It's an action. It's something we do. 
And, and when did an action and a verb become something that we do not do? <laughs> That's not it. It's something that we do. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world. And then that's it. <laughs> no, it doesn't say for God so loved the world, period. God had a warm and fuzzy feeling in his. God does not have a warm and fuzzy feeling about this world. I promise you that. No, he does not. He doesn't love the world in the way he feels. He loved the world in the fact that he gave his only son. He did something. He, he had an action that backed up his words that he loves the world. He had an action behind it. See, when, when love for for one another. Love for equals is human, right? That's just something we do. Uh, love for those less fortunate than us, that's a beautiful thing. Love for those who are more fortunate for us, that's a rare thing. <laughs> but love for enemies, that is divine. And while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrated his love. You say, well, why did he do that? Because he, was, because he loves us. And that's how he shows us his love. That's how he demonstrated his love. For in this, that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And listen to how many times this word love is used in the New Testament as an action and a verb. For God so loved the world that he gave. Right? By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen to this. Love bears all things. Listen to the verbs here. It bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love rejoices with the truth. Love never ends. For the love of Christ compels us. Perfect love casts out fear. We are to put on love. We're to walk in love. We love because he first loved us. And we're to continue in this brotherly love. Have you ever noticed how the media will report on what it, what, what it reports on and what it won't report on. You ever notice that? <laughs> New York Times reported that the Southern Baptists at the convention voted in a moderate president, which is not true, and they, they claim that uh, staved off a conservative takeover, which is not true. They'll report on stuff like that. But what they won't report on are stories like this. I want you to watch. This is an, an extended video, but we have plenty of time for it this morning. And I want you to watch and listen to this story. Lafayette well, is just a small town, hometown community. And um, we thought about COVID since it started back before March. But I don't think we understood the severity. On the 8th of October, I went to an urgent care here in town, and um, it was within minutes that they come back and said, you know, hey, you've tested positive. And um, by the following Thursday, I was really feeling pretty bad. And I said, let's just go to the ER. And um, he was admitted, and they explained that he is very sick. And, um, and of course, he tells me that he loves me and he loves the kids, and he talks about how scared he is. But I reminded him that God was with him and that there was a ton of people praying. Zach gets to Vanderbilt and no one expected him to survive. I was visiting and um, a four-hour trip was very difficult to stay for two hours and then drive four hours back home. 
And so, you know, just the whole COVID world feels like it's sinking in on you. And you see, you see the hand of God. Our church had a, um, a prayer service every Saturday morning for Zach. We have people uh, just all over, the, truly the country, um, that would text or pray, just people we didn't even know. In 2020, as, as crazy it was, our benevolence giving was three times what it's been in previous years. And we really wanted to step up and help a pastor of a local church. So I, I reached out to Executive Director Randy Davis and just asked, hey Randy, is there anybody that you know of? And right off the bat, I said, well, there's a bivocational pastor in the hospital in Vanderbilt and uh, we don't know what the future holds with him. And that's how we connected Red Bank Baptist with the Lloyd family. We had a figure in mind, a dollar amount, and ended up being nine months of, uh, of payment on their home. I never heard of this church. And um, so they proceeded to tell us that they, um, their church had, um, had wanted to pay our house payment. Sarah called the hospital, and she was crying. And she told me the conversation that she had had. I had never heard of Red Bank. This is the best of what our unity is about. When there's a demonstrated need, God's people rally around one another. And this is how the world knows uh, that we belong to Him as our love for one another. You think about um, the other churches in our community that just wanted to love on us, and I don't understand the why. Um, but I'm thankful. So many of these people, I never knew. But we're in this family. And, and we're, we're here to help build each other up and encourage each other. And so for that, I'm grateful. It was, it was difficult, but I, I go back now and I wouldn't trade any of that for where I'm at right now. Hey, Sam. Um, I, well, I'm so, I so love you, your church. I've had the privilege to preach your church. But, man, uh, for you just to think of that, uh, what, what made you think to even do that in a time, obviously, you being blessed in an incredible way, but that specific thing or to call Randy and ask about that? Yeah, it was, you know, craziness of 2020. And pastors, staff, y'all know, y'all heard the same commentary we did. If you require a mask, we're not coming back to church. If you don't require a mask, we're not coming back to church. So we... I just got to the point where I was compelled that we need to do something uh, that resembling by this, uh, all people will know that you are my disciples uh, if you have love for one another. So I sat our lead team down in December, and this is what I told them. I sat them down, and I said, I want to bless a Tennessee pastor and or church this, in a similar way that the North American Mission Board blesses pastors and or churches at the NAM luncheon that we go to every year. And here we are. Here I am. I'm overwhelmed to be here. But I wanted to say that this, th this, this is SBC. 
Right. Amen. Amen. Well, Sam, I'm grateful for you. Grateful for you, Randy. And uh, we we uh, wanted to have a little interaction with uh, Zach, but he's still recovering. And so um, uh, we're going to do it by Zoom. I'm sure you've done that this year. And uh, after all of the other things that have happened today, I'm sure this will go very smoothly. All right. So uh, <laughs> let's... Uh, Bring up the connection, and let's uh, call Zach. Here we go. Here we go. Here we hope. We're hoping. Hey, Kevin, the uh, connection's not working. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is so funny, Coach? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in charge right now. <laughs> <laughs> you told you that to your wife before, too. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Uh, you, sometimes you have to prepare for problems. Let's just bring out Zach in person. All right? Welcome, Zach Lloyd. Let's give him a hand. Double dub. Hey, Zach, come on out here, everybody. I want Southern Baptists, you guys can be seated. I want them to get to know you a little bit better. Come on, on out here if you would. And uh, I mean, he has such an incredible sense of humor and uh, so grateful for you. What I love about this guy, several things is, man, I appreciate he, he was, as I said, bivocational pastor, worked at Lowe's, yeah. pastor in his church, loves, loves the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, but one of your favorite basketball teams is? That's right, baby. Big blue. Big blue. I didn't find What's real funny is, uh, tell them, just tell them when uh, uh, you said you were unconscious for how long? I'd been unconscious uh, from the end of October until about a week before Christmas. They had me under sedation there at the hospital. And they, and they woke up and told you that, that what you needed, only three hospitals could provide. It was an ECMO program, and what it is is a there's two lines that go into the top of the neck and then they come out at the top of the legs and it circulates the blood through this machine and they um, pump that blood full of oxygen. And it was taking the, uh, my heart and lungs and helping those out a little bit. And so I asked them, I said, I got two questions for you. As soon as I woke up, I was writing stuff down because I couldn't talk. I had trach in at the time. And I said, how's Kentucky doing in basketball? <laughs> And they told me, and I was like, well, I'm glad I'm here because, you know, as bad as, they, as bad as they were this year, I'd, I'd be upset anyway. And I said, and how did I, get, how did I get here to Vanderbilt? And they told me about the ECMO program, and they said, well, you had three options. You could come to Vanderbilt, you could go to Northwestern, or you could go to Duke. And I wrote down on a piece of paper, I said, I'd rather go see Jesus than go to Duke. <laughs> This is my man, long term. Well, Zach, we, we are so thankful for you. Appreciate you being here. And I know it's a huge effort for you to be here. But we have some folks we want to, uh, that want to be a part of today as well. And uh, um, I'd like to bring out uh, uh, our guest from Vanderbilt Hospital, Josh Holt. 
Kim Copley, Jessica Williams, and Brooke Bailey from Vanderbilt Hospital, and Rebecca Jolly from the American Hospital Association. And uh, Zach was in there for several months and had many people ministering to him, but what he didn't realize is uh, they were ministering to him. We actually have a, a quote uh, from one of the hospital workers of what they said. We're going to throw up on the screen. And uh, <laughs> uh, it says what it does. Uh, yeah. I've spoken to several people who were very familiar with Zach Lloyd. Suffice it to say, he touched many lives while he was a patient in our system. And, and Zach, uh, each of these folks uh, uh, ministered to you. <clears throat> and with God's hand and their help, you're here today, and we're so grateful for that. They're the best. I love them. I <laughs> know you do. But... I also know that um, with hospitals, you know, you have, a, you have in network, out of network. There's a lot of cost when it comes to hospitals, and uh, uh, we uh, uh, wanted to have uh, an update. If I hope it's a little personal, but I don't think you'll mind. I want to give an update. If you guys could give Zach an update on what his uh, the hospital bill is, would you give him an update? It's paid in full. It's paid in full, brother. So. Um, well, thank you. Brother Randy, we know also, Zach, and anytime you encounter medical issues, you, you're out of pocket a good bit of money. And uh, uh, we prayed about it, made a few phone calls, found out how much that was, and Dr. Uh, Davis wants to share something. Zach, on behalf of um, Sin Relief and your Tennessee Baptist network of churches, that family, and all Southern Baptists, we want to present this check representing a, tall, a small token of a very, very large heart. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Hey, hey, that flag. Now, what you all did was awesome. I mean, it's phenomenal what just happened. I know you got to feel so good. But I know your wife, Sarah, was taking all those trips. This is, this is a challenge flag that they use in the NFL when you got to challenge somebody. What's, what's wrong, Coach? Well, I think what you did was great, but as many miles as she put on that car, don't you think we could do something there? Hint, hint. Oh. Well, you know, Coach, it's not a bad idea. Hey, I, I don't know how big La Follette. How many people's in La Follette? About 40,000 people. 40,000? I got a, uh, a friend of mine there, uh, the guy's name. You know a guy named David Bales? I do. All right. David Bales, when I talked to him, David said, now, oh, I know Zach. He's a good friend, you know. And, 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 and he said, now, I'm David, I'm David Bales. He's a pretty good yeah, and he said, uh, and then my son runs it. He said, uh, he's David Bells Jr. And then David Bells Third, and they're all on vacation. I know the whole story. We spent a lot of time on the phone. Bottom line is he owns a GMC dealership. Your wife uh, drives a GMC. And, and, uh, uh, and he, in honor of, uh, I've seen the theme of a transplant, of taking the old and putting a new, um, he wants you to bring by your wife's car, and he's going to give you a new one. Whoa! Right. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Now, church, I, I just want you to understand what happened, okay?
okay? What, what happened that led to all that was that it started with you. You gave above and beyond through the benevolent offering in 2020, okay? You gave so much. We helped so many people. And we're not in the business of broadcasting people's business, so we don't do that. So when we had the opportunity to bless Zach and his family, we just didn't tell anybody because we didn't, we're not, they may not want their business out there. So we just didn't tell anybody. And then God took that and look what he did. Look at the chain of events. When you love somebody and when you show love and, kind, and when you give above and beyond, trusting God's going to do something more than you can think and imagine, that's what happens. That's what happens when we abide by the great commandment. So don't stop abiding by the great commandment. Keep doing it. Here's the second step. If we're going to follow Christ, we've got to take a second step. And that second step is following Christ means obeying the great commission. If, you know, being great commandment, following that, abiding by that, enables us to obey the great commission. That's what it enables us to do. And, and, and if we don't love on lost people first then we won't be able to lead lost people to Christ. <laughs> we got to love on them first. If, you, if we don't love on lost people, we might as well hand them a, a pair of earplugs and say, put this in your ears while I tell you about Jesus because you're not going to listen anyway. Well, we've got to love on them. And then we've got to tell them about Christ. And all of that has to do with this great commission. And here's uh, the part of the verse I want you to see in verse 24, toward the end of the verse, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. What does it mean to live to righteousness? It means that not only are we saved by something, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And not only are we saved from something, we're saved from the wrath of God, but we're saved for something. We're saved for something. We're saved to something. And that is to live a righteous life. When it says we're to live to righteousness, here's what it means. It means that Christ suffered and died so that it would be possible for us to follow his example. That we died to sin in order to live like Christ. The first thing that had to happen for that to happen is Christ had to die for us and separate us from the penalty of sin, separate us from the power of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. Meanwhile, while we're here, we're to follow in his steps. We're to follow his example. So the question is, what are you living for? That's the question. What are you living for? Not what do you do for a living, but what are you living for? Here's how Jesus said it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So think about that commission. Jesus starts it out with his authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. There's no place that you can step your foot that Jesus Christ does not have authority. No place. He has authority over the entire universe, including you. Therefore, we're to obey him. And we're to go. And per Tony, Tony Evans said this about going. He said, you can study Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, English, Spanish, and any other language under heaven. And the word go means leave. That's what it means. Not to stay, but to go. And some of us are focusing on staying when we should be going. 
You can't spell the word gospel without the letters G-O, go. So we're to go and we're to make disciples. And I love the, uh, the, the idea of making disciples. Making As simple as we can say it, we can say it like this. It's making copies of the master. Jesus is the master. And making disciples means we're making copies of Jesus. We're making little Christ. We're making followers of Jesus. And we're baptizing them. That means they have a new identity. That you're raised to walk in newness of life. New life. Some of you need to follow through with baptism. You've not done that yet. Well, let us know. Text the word water to 79969. We'd love to have a conversation with you about baptism. So text us and let us know. Also, we're to teach them to observe everything that God's commanded us. You know what that means? We're to show them by example. Not just teach it to them. But teach them to observe it. Well, how are they going to observe it without an example? So we're to show them by example. And you know, in that Great Commission text, there are actually two imperatives. Now, the main imperative is make disciples. Go there is not an imperative. Baptize is not an imperative. Teaching is not an imperative in the text. Those are participles. Observing, teach them to observe, it's not an imperative. The imperative is toward the end of the verse, or the end of the passage. And the second imperative in that text is the word behold. That is an imperative. That we are commanded to behold. We're commanded to consider. We're commanded to listen. We're commanded to look. We're commanded to see Jesus. Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then finally, He is with us to the end of the age. We are to endure to the end. Man, we are to be great commission Baptists. Dads, every one of us, we're living under one of two tents. We're living under the tent of contentment. Or we're living under the tent of discontentment. One of those two. Paul says he's learned to be content. When he has much, when he has little, he's learned to be content in Christ. Dads, if we're going to lead our families to be great commandment and great commission followers of Christ, we must be content in the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, J.D. Greer said as we come out of this uh, uh, pandemic and we come out of this uh, lockdown that some of us are coming out as monks, some of us are coming out as hunks, some of us are coming out as chunks, some of us are coming out as drunks. The idea is to come out of it, right, and to lead well as you come out of it. Let's not make church an elective. That's what I'm seeing now, this side of COVID. Used to, church was a priority. And for some of you, it still is. But for some folks, well, well for, for, for some of us, it used to be church was the priority, sports was an elective, family outings, those kind of things were elective on Sunday, and church was the priority. Now that's flip-flop. Now the sports, the family outings, the things we do on Sunday, that becomes the priority, and church is an elective. we got to flip that around, church. we got to flip it around. It's time to get back. It's time to come back to church. It's time to get involved. It's time to get in the choir. Amen, Brad? I knew knew I'd get an amen out of Brad. 
it's time to come back. Following Christ means not only abiding by the great commitment, commandment, but obeying the great commission. And, and last step we need to take and is following Christ means engaging in gospel conversations. Engaging in gospel conversations. You know, one of the uh, things that was a great blessing to me at the convention was this was the first gathering, uh, huge event that has happened in downtown Nashville since COVID. At the convention center, it was the first big event they'd had was the Southern Baptist Convention. And there are 21,000 people there, 21,000 Southern Baptists, exhibitors, messengers, guests, over 21,000, uh, 17,000 packed into a room uh, on Tuesday voting for the president of the commission, 17,000 people, shoulder to shoulder, on top of each other, not a mask in sight. It was glorious. I mean, glor- it's like we stepped back into 2019. It was It's fantastic. And you got to shake hands with people and hug people and connect with people and talk to people face to face. It was incredible. And we had a booth at the exhibit hall, a gospel conversations booth, and people came by and excited to get back out there and share the gospel. And the ladies at the exhibit registration desk said, man, y'all's booth is one of the most popular ones here. People keep asking about it. People were excited to talk to people and connect with people. And here's what Peter tells us at the end of verse 24. By his wounds you've been healed. Man, if there's any topic of conversation that we ought to be having, can you think of anything better that by Jesus' wounds, sir, ma'am, you've been healed? Man, how about delivering that good news? Wouldn't it be glorious to deliver a news to somebody who has been healed of cancer, who's been healed of a disease or a sickness? Wouldn't it be glorious to be in that room and and hear the doctor deliver? You're healed. Man, and here we go. We've got the message from eternity to eternity. You've been healed forever through the blood-bought blood of Jesus. Oh, my heavens, can you imagine that he gave his life as a ransom for many, that you've been bought at a price, and you've been healed because of his wounds, his suffering, not just his scourging, but wounds here refers to the entirety of his suffering. The time he breathed his last on the cross so we could breathe at last. This refers to a completed action. That's why we know it's not a physical healing. Because the way, the, ver- the way this is worded in the Greek, by his wounds you've been healed, means it's a completed action. It has been already accomplished and done. So it's referring to spiritual healing, not physical healing. I tell you what, there's enough gospel truth in 1 Peter 2.24 to save anybody, anywhere, at any time. There's enough gospel truth in 1 Peter 2.24 to see Matthew 24.14 come to fruition. That this gospel will be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. There's enough gospel truth in 1 Peter 2.24 to save people 24-7, 365 days a year. There's enough gospel truth in 1 Peter 2.24 to lead to gospel conversions, but it will not happen without gospel conversations. See, following Christ is meant for Christ's followers. And the way we do that, we abide by the great commandment. We obey the great commission. We engage in these gospel conversations. Now, I want to challenge every dad here this morning and watching online to make a commitment to make Christ the priority in your heart and in your life and to make his church a priority for your family. I want to charge you with that today.
Dads, it's, it's up to us to lead well. And so I'm going to ask you to commit to that this morning. To commit to abide by the great commission, obey the great, abide by the great commandment, obey the great commission, and engage in gospel conversations.